0: Well, hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster show brought to you as always by our friends at the get-go cafe and market, where it's substravaganza month. All kinds of great deals on subs and raps available online. And I would specifically check out the deals that they've got going online. Ramon, what's going on? You get you got your you got (laughs) a shot there. Huh?
1: I did. Hey, I'm an advocate of it, man. There it is. Right uh, my yeah, yeah, right, I, I got one, man.
0: Uh, you got two, and I got my second uh, yesterday as well. So if, if Ramon and I sound a little bit out of it, it's because we're having a challenging time <laughs> with our left arms.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wonder why it's the left arm. Uh, I don't well, know. They,
0: they tell you that if you it, you you should use your arm that is not your strongest arm. You, but when they're talking to an Uh, An NFL offensive lineman, they should know that there is no such thing. And you should have said N slash
1: A, you know? Not available. What you're saying is, when you train to be a world-class athlete, oh, you train both sides.
0: That's is that what right. Okay. That's right. Who's beating you to that side? Nobody, because the left arm is just as strong as the right.
1: That's crazy. That's why plate is on the left. They don't realize that's the strong side. Come on. That's now.
0: right. That's right. And that that brings me to a perfect segue here.
1: Didn't even plan it.
0: No, because I was looking at your. Scouting report that you Mm -hmm. included with your excellent column that you wrote this week for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thank you. About being undrafted and about the the, Mm -hmm. the hard time that you had with that emotionally. And one of the things that I picked out off of this scouting report that you didn't write about, and I wanted to ask you, was that he couldn't play on the left side. It was that, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's got some potential
1: but not
0: on the left where you'd actually have to move and show, show athleticism.
1: Yeah. It was wild. Uh, It's two things about that. One, not all of those are just as accurate as you can be because why I went undrafted. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but secondly, my first start in college was actually at left guard, my red shirt freshman year. Um, that's something that's notable. Um, why the left side? They probably thought that they probably looked at me more. If I was going to come into the NFL, I think they was really scouting me more as a tackle. So playing on the left side and left tackle, it's hundred percent true on that one. I I realized like my my speed to a NFL outside rusher compared to a college one is totally different. In college, I flipped from right and left, and I blocked the right end and I blocked the left end also. And it was never an issue i think of course when you um come into the nfl you got to find what's a good fit a guy who's a, a a wide wide receiver a wide receiver that lines up out wide in college turns into a slot guy you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. it's certain matchups that that fit what the pro model of themselves yes. be. and that's what it was so i think their their logic in that is he can play right side right tackle but not left tackle but what's crazy is i end up playing both sides, because our offense my senior year was a strong and weak side. I was a strong side tackle. So when we were on the wide side of the field, I was lining up on the, uh, on the, on the strong side, as they like to call it. That,
0: that, that also has me thinking about uh, – I, I can actually come up with all kinds of examples regarding athletes – who were told at a certain phase of their careers and I don't necessarily even mean in the pros I could mean yeah. colleges I could mean the minor leagues that they had a physical ceiling
1: mm-hmm. that
0: they had hit yeah and then these athletes went and found specialized instruction that let's say uh, advanced certain uh what are called twitch muscles. You know what I'm talking about, but the Uh listeners might not, Mm -hmm. uh, where there are muscles within the muscles, within the muscles that you don't necessarily think about and that you don't just get from lifting barbells. No. Okay. No. And as a result, they were able to improve thing elements like quickness, Mm -hmm. like speed, like, uh, and, and within that stamina and other things that if you had one combine, you weren't going to show people. You know, yeah. or you, that's just. But you still can get better, stronger, faster after that, can't you?
1: Yes. Case in point, uh, the one that when you break it down like that, case number one to me is Antonio Brown. Oh. I think his forty may have been a four-five-seven. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just know he wasn't a four-three-four-four four, low four-four guy. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure we'll have some stats to back this up mm-hmm. at some point. But he may have been a four-five-seven guy. You wouldn't have known that was AB when he was burning guys down the sideline and breaking away for sixty to eighty yards at a time. I know you remember the one in, in Cincinnati that slant route that went like seventy yards yeah. in Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, you couldn't have nope. told
1: me AB wasn't a four-four type of wide receiver at that point.
0: But how do you do well, that? How do you measure he, that if you're at the combine? How do you, you can't? That's kind of the point here. There's nope. there's a there's a quickness and a deception, there, especially we're talking about wide receivers. Mm-hmm. There's a quickness and a deception, but I'm also I'm also respecting since you brought up A B as the example here, the fact that A B did for all of his many, 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 many flaws, <laughs> okay, and everything yeah. else about him as a character, the one thing no one would ever doubt about him was his work ethic. And he Never. made himself, I really believe this, Ramon. He made himself quicker and faster and stronger. And more, uh, mm-hmm. and, and 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 capable of greater stamina, meaning that he could go and catch like he did that that day in New Orleans, which I still think was his greatest performance as a Steeler, the thirteen catches for a, mm-hmm. a billion yards.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's what it was. But that's the thing. So I think AP knew that. Anytime you saw, and he's just one guy. Another guy that comes to mind is James Harris. He's another type. You know what I'm saying? Watching Alejandro Villanueva use his tools to be where he's at. You know what I'm saying? Like. But AB, you saw him in his workouts because he posted him a whole lot doing band works where he's, you didn't realize what he was doing, but he was working on his glutes. He's working on his VMOs. He's working on that resistance quick twitch because that's where he excelled and he had worked on his calf muscles because that's what helped him get an extra edge. And that extra edge might not have been his top overall speed. It may have been his start from goal line, from, from the line of scrimmage to seven yards, okay, to where... His speed may have been goal line. I mean, line of scrimmage to five yards. That's interesting. If he Uh, if he can top you, okay, you know what I mean by that. Yeah, I do. I do. Here's the the wide receiver, and here's the DB. If AB can beat you to that point, he wins. That's all he needs. He wins. He wins. wins. The zero
0: to sixty doesn't matter as much as the zero to seven or the zero to ten.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's neat. So that's where James Harris is another guy. Okay, undersized guy. How does he keep? How does he stand the league? One, he got stronger. Why? Because if I'm gonna be a, I'm built the way I am, meaning I'm not a, a, a vertical type of guy, a tall guy. Mm-hmm. then guess what? I got to get stronger. Okay, yeah. now I got to break you down and bring you to my size. That's what James Harrison realized. Like, you are gonna put your arms out on the shorter guy? Well, look at the tape on James Harrison. He got strong enough and quick enough to where he would get your right arm or left arm and drag you with him. Because then he made you bend and he turned. So it's, I'm telling you, it, it seems easy when you see the work being done as far as on game day. But there are so many doggone steps, DK, to get to there. Get to that. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's intricate. But it's also great that guys study themselves. And realize, like, man, I gotta work on this. Well, see, thing.
0: that that's that's the thing. And and we're gonna take a break here, but the the, the, the the I guess the point that I wanted to make more than any Ramon here, and and and, and you're obviously supporting it is that you aren't necessarily who you are in no. perpetuity, you know? No. Even <laughs> even physically. I I hear these 40 times and I these other and they he deadlifts this and he does that, and they're quantifying yeah. everything that they can you still can become more than that.
1: A hundred percent. And to that point, the guys that stay around, you're not the same guy, your rookie. No, I'll say it. you better not be the same guy your rookie year <laughs> right. as you are in year five. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, just a quick one, real quick, before we go to the break. Minka Fitzpatrick came in and lit the world on fire in Pittsburgh. And then the world found out we well, got to watch Minka. Yep. We, we better watch Minka Dennis. His picks dropped down a little bit, but the production is still there because you understand it's other guys that eat, like Terrell or or, um, or Cam Sutton or Mike Hilton or Joe. Like right? It goes in different ways because he's evolved more as a player. Now it's not just me. It's other people eating off of me too. When we come back,
0: Mike Tomlin's extension. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. Ramon, Mike Tomlin, as you know, signed a three-year extension mm-hmm. this year. Before we get into any of the football aspects of that, I'm infinitely more interested in what you think about that from a personal level. He's been at this a long time, and mm-hmm. the body and the mind can wear. That is a stressful, demanding job.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot to take on. Uh, again, <laughs> through all the things that we've been through just in, under his tenure, you know, the wins, the losses, the playoffs, just all those things. The two Super Bowl visits, you know, the franchise quarterback, it's a lot to manage. And you got to think a lot of coaches probably have either been fired behind it already or uh, the, the, their feet at least will be high before the seat would. And here they are, man, giving Coach Tomlin a, uh, a an extension. I think it says a lot about, still his organization, the longevity of what they, I mean, I I guess the mindset of longevity when it comes down to culture. Um, I I tweeted out something uh, a couple days ago about, you know, this guy is just good, you know, and the different personalities, you know, you want to talk about personally, the different personalities you have to deal with. Uh, We know a lot of the stuff that's going on because, heck, it became public knowledge of what went on inside of our locker room and outside of the locker room, and still leaving through all of that. He's been a steady force of keeping everything on the tracks, whether you like how it looks, sometimes at the end of the year or not. Uh, I was recently just challenging, challenging a uh, Twitter follower uh, not too long ago about, well, name me a better coach that could handle all these situations. Give me options. Like mm-hmm. I'm all for if there's somebody better. Hey, that's the way your world works. Mine does too. Okay there's change because you got better options, and they couldn't. So I think it says a lot about him personally on how you manage just different waves of inheriting a team that's older, getting a younger, got older again, and now he's about to be in another young phase, and sometime soon, especially if this is Ben's last ride, you know?
0: Yeah, no question about that. But do you think that 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 Is this like a second wind for him? I mean, did you ever get the sense that maybe he was getting a little bit tired, a little bit whatever, that, you know, that Mm. this is starting to, I mean, this is, I'll say it again, it's a high, high pressure job.
1: It is. I don't think he's gotten tired. If you know him, like the thing I enjoyed about Coach T is he hides a lot of stuff from the media as far as what he feels and how he feels, okay? So being in that room, man, and seeing how he actually feels about the game, what do you expect his guys that he coached to feel about the game? And and what's actually put out there shows why he gets an extension, shows why he's, what, the second longest-tenured guy in the NFL, or maybe third. But Is it him or Pete Carroll? One of them. is Vilichick, Mike T, and Pete Carroll, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm, yeah. and, and whatever, but um, I don't think he gets tired, though. Uh, When we have days where we got to practice on Christmas or play on Christmas or we got to, you know, be at the facility on Thanksgiving or all of the holidays that come up. Only thing that I've ever seen them give guys breaks on is if there's been a death or there's been a birth. Everything else, he emphasizes when you walk inside those doors at 3400 South Water Street, you leave all your problems behind because I believe in the game and the purity of what football is. And it shows he speaks about, you know, the reason it's not a bother for him to uh, come in and work on Labor Day or New Year's or, you know, all the big holidays because he's seen his parents work at the shipyards in, in Virginia. And he understand that the job of football, the game of football teaches you more than just hitting somebody. It's an attitude. And he'll be one of the first ones to be very intimate about his relationship with the game. So I don't think he's grown tired. I don't That's think welcome. he's... Uh,
0: Let's let's take a look at this from the opposite perspective, and heaven knows there are a lot of opposite <coughs> perspectives. Oh yeah, uh, he has won three playoff games in ten years, and you know that because mm-hmm. you were part of those part of those victories. You've been part of some of those losses. Uh, what do you say to someone who says, "Well, that's just not good enough"?
1: Well, what do I say? Is look what you're up against. Um, let's not act like that Tom Brady hadn't really ruled the world in the 2010s of, of the NFL. That goes from everywhere. It's almost like the Jordan effect in a sense. Like, yeah, you can, You just got to continue to chip at the rock until a break comes. Uh, three playoff wins, what would you rather have? I mean, at the end of the year, it's still going to be one champion. Yep. The majority of those championships have either come from the Patriots or a hot shot team. Um, but the thing you got to lay your head on is eventually – you're all I mean, always you I mean, all the time we're always in the race and always in the hunt. That's one thing that I always rely on. And again, for the people to say three and ten years, it's hard winning in an NFL. And it's even harder when everything is kind of gone through New England or you find a hot shot team like friggin' Jacksonville and what was it, 2015, 2016, that's got all yeah. the world beaters on the team. And guess what happened to them? They lost to the New England Patriots. And I'm just ripping off one in, in general, but they were slated to go win the the, the world, uh, the, the Super Bowl in that year, and they did not. I mean, compare it to other teams also. What has Kansas City actually done before they got Patrick Mahomes? You know what I'm saying? Like, what did Jacksonville yeah. do when they knocked us out of the playoffs? It's hard, DK. Well, oh, and, and Andy, won- Andy Reed, Andy Reid specifically. Yeah, I mean, if
0: you just if you just use Andy Reid as your example, I don't think that there's anybody that would question Andy Reid's credentials at any point in his career, including if he'd never won it. Uh, you know, Bill Cowher almost almost mm-hmm. made it through a very long and very successful tenure as the Steelers coach, uh, and being a guy who you know was going to get labeled never won the big one, never won the big one because of all those AFC Championship losses. I I guess Moan. One of the things that, and this is one of my criticisms of the critics, Mm. is that we're always trying to find common denominators where they don't necessarily exist. Right. Um, When I look at even, and that includes in the victories. When I when I look at your playoff victories, I don't look at how you beat Baltimore. uh, You know, with AB doing his his thing. Or the same way that I look at how you beat Cincinnati in the craziest yeah. game many of us has, has ever seen. I don't look at the losses the same way. I don't look at the Jacksonville game, you know, in which Leonard Fournette and, you know, and Blake Bortles in a really Blake smart
1: plan
0: uh, undid the other side of the football, undid the defense. Yeah. I'm saying that, not you. Uh, the same way that I do the Cleveland loss in which, you know, your Hall of Fame center you know yeah the blue moon sends a high snap over the quarterback's head and then the quarterback who's also going to be in the hall of fame throws three picks after that uh i don't look at that in jacksonville and say oh these two things are the same right
1: um the way i look at it though is um it's uh, the the act or i guess the results are, or the lack of what's happened meaning no super bowl meaning three wins in 10 years doesn't mean that the the actions aren't there to actually get it done i think you got to be able to separate to us as, as far as okay well he's only won three in 10 years that means he's burnt out or his play style has burnt out no i don't i don't think that's the case it's more or less it's the game, DK, at the end of the year is one. Would you rather have 10 playoff wins and no Super Bowl still? Or, or what do you what do you want at the end of the day? It's it's a real fine line. But again, we got a coach over here talking about rocks, paper, scissors when it comes down to scouting players. Is that what you want in your front office? You know so, or biting somebody kneecaps off. I mean, I, I noticed that thing but you know when you get Mike Tomlin in your in your building it's all football and that's one thing I've always respected about him is at the end of the at the end of the day the core value of the game is there it's a matter of just finding whether it's the right piece or the right coach or the right play calling you know when I say the right coach I mean whether it's coordinator or whether it's position coach to teach a guy to push a guy it's the league is just weird, man, like that. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to explain it, DK, but even as a player, I know, I'm like,
0: I know, I know. If you,
1: if you look back from, I say, at the end of 12 to all the way up to 16, 17, when that window finally shut, if we we're just being real, we were the best team in football. Okay. an injury to A.B. in the playoffs, um, one or Andrew. two plays here or there.
0: Injury to Lev in uh, Yeah.
1: Le'Veon, and then you have the Shazer situation. Um, that's Is that part of the results? Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, And there's no excuse because the fans don't want to hear it. But as a player, you sit back and look at you. Even I ask myself why or how we didn't, it's, it's almost speechless almost, DK.
0: When we come back, Mike Tomlin as player's coach. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster show. And for our final segment this week, Ramon, I want to throw out the concept of Mike Tomlin as the player's coach. This, this term has often made me cringe. And I've written this at the risk of really ticking some people off, but whatever <laughs> I, I've written that one of the things that makes me cringe about it is the idea, okay, here's a black coach. And here's a predominantly black room. Uh, with the locker room. And I really – the idea of players coach, he's buddy-buddy with the guys and whatever. Well, what are you really saying yeah. there? Well, let's you, – okay, you can take this wherever it is that you want. for, for Setting setting aside what the actual criticisms are or yeah. what, what might be behind them, what yeah. is the reality? And the reason I'm asking is that you RT'd this video the other day of Tomlin just reaming out marquise pouncy of all people yeah. back to the sideline for a selfish play that forced the clock to stop when he needed it to keep running and yeah. it was nasty look at me look in my eyes are you are you this is is this bigger than you is this whole thing bigger than you
1: <laughs> and i'm I like remember that and i'm thinking player's coach really i i re- I, re- I remember that situation pounce got into a fight Okay? On the field. And the reason I retweeted that video is because the respect factor again, when you talk about the game, he respects the game. Like, And I'll say this, in the respect of the game, he knows how to go about and treat players too. You get respect and you demand respect. You give it and you demand it also. And that's where he was. So when you talk to a guy like Marquise, okay? And that may have been during Either was Mike Wallace was on the sideline right there, so it may have been like 2011, 12, 13, 20, 11, 12, or something like that. So, this is a mature Marquise Pouncey too. I think at the time, man, and just hearing him speak to a guy like himself. And you know, like, when Pounce walked into the building, he was starting number one. Everybody else didn't know it, but he was. He was culture builder number one as as far as the way we're going to play this game as a whole, offense and defense, man. So, for him to go at a guy like that, in a Intense moment and emphasize again where we are with the game. I think when you say players coach and the respect factor, and he's buddy, buddy, and all that BS man. If you're around him, you know. I've always described Coach T as the uncle that'll let you come to his house and be in the pool and kick it, but you better not go in the liquor cabinet, you better not break nothing. The police <laughs> better not ever come to the house because the moment you do is doom and gloom. We've been in that building, man, and walking around like this like not want to look at anybody. The meetings are quiet, all because of one guy, and it's Mike Tom. Okay, what you see as far as his laughing and his relationships with guys is just that. I don't think it's wrong for a coach to have relationships because if I know you and you know me, then this is also the part of him that kind of get. then he knows what gets you going. He knew he could speak to Marquise like that because he knows what gets Marquise going because he knew Marquise values the game the same way he does. That's the reason he drafted a guy like him. That's the reason they would bring a guy in like me and keep me there because he know what I value as a football player, first and foremost. And with the the labeling of um, player's coach, though, too, again, you you mentioned like the black guy with a majority black locker room and just building. I feel like Andy Reid is a player's coach. I feel like Sean McVay is a player's coach. I feel like Pete Carroll is a player's coach. Okay, who else am I missing? What about um, what about Harbaugh? Harbaugh is a player. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm actually, he was actually the first that came to mind, even before Andy Reid. Most maybe because we see him so much more often and deal with him more often. But I see Harbaugh's interactions, and I had to cover once a full straight week of of Ravens in Owings Mills at their practice facility yeah. in advance of a playoff game. So I got to see more of them than you would just see like on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And how he is with guys, uh, including away from the camera and stuff like that. And he, no one wants to hear this, but he reminds me a lot of of, of Tomlin, and 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 that <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? I, he's like, no, like I'm sure everybody's cringing when they hear this because he's, you know, he's the enemy and everything. But they have a lot of similarities. Yeah. And when you're talking about players, coach, when I have interviewed athletes, uh, you know, beyond football. Mm-hmm. And ask them what what that means. what What they're referring to primarily was something that you I think you, you be, had begun alluding to just now, which is there's a trust factor and yeah. a relatability factor. The reason mm-hmm. that the reason that Tomlin can speak to. Pouncey, the way he did coming off the field Mm -hmm. that day was that he knows that Pouncey knows that it's coming from the right place. He's not trying to show him up. He's Mm -hmm. not trying to make it onto NFL films and show everybody what a tough guy he is. He knows it's coming from a genuine place where they have, as you said, a common concern, a common
1: goal. Okay, so this is the other side of a non-player's coach, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess people look at Belichick as a guy, as a non-player's coach, and you know his system and how he's done everything in the championships and whatnot. Um, I think it's, we, we realized this a little bit, that it was a, a good bit of Tom Brady and how special he was. I think we realized that the defense, which they went out and, and went shopping this offseason, to get the guys that they feel like can win the game. So it's probably more of a system of them doing something besides him. Or would you rather have, let's say, I just dropped Tom Coughlin, who I heard guys that the played for just despise. And I think when yeah. you, w- would people rather have the locker room miserable and dead and undone when, in the end of the day, how many championships did Coughlin get in New York? Was it one or it was two? One, uh, one or, one or yeah, two. It was, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, it was. but either way, some coaches coach them two different ways. All right. Sometimes you get to know your players, and they know you, and they want to go all out for you. Or you coach them up to hate you, so that they gel together and and win in spite of you.
0: There's some of that too. That's a different but, approach.
1: Yeah. Both of them, you're winning. Coughlin won. Mike Tomlin also won. Okay. Um, who's another hard A type of coach? You look at Bruce Arians who's a guy that kind of plays both sides of I it, mean, really. Well, I mean, thing- one of the most
0: famous examples of it in all of sports was Herb Brooks and the Miracle on Ice team. I mean, Herbie, Herbie coached that group of college kids to hate his guts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he, he wanted them to unite, whether it was against him or eventually against the Russians.
1: So you – know? so Whatever.
0: Uh,
1: you know? Yeah, what, whatever works, but – when you're dealing with grown men and you type of, and you, I'll say this too, you bring in and you draft a certain type of guy, okay? And I feel like you know that, that, um, that Belichick, they drift, they draft a certain type of guy. Uh, Harbaugh, draft a certain type of guy. Yep. Coach Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, draft a certain type of guy. The type of guys they draft are only fit for that type of treatment that they want or they want to see out of guys, okay? So if Mike Tomlin knows I'm drafting a guy that's probably more self-motivated from himself than for me, then guess what? I'm going to do what I can to find out what gets him going even more.
0: So if you see me
1: talking to a guy.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually the other thing. When you talk about players, Coach, I'm sorry, Mon, I just wanted to jump in. you're good. Go ahead. I wanted to throw in real quick, uh, you know, Jordan Dangerfield's a guy that jumps out. Not, Not somebody that Steelers fans generally talk about, but if you see Mike Tomlin's relationship with Dangerfield it's beautiful it it, it's it's the stuff that it's 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 like it's like somewhere between a sitcom and a rom-com oh my gosh (laughs) but he has he has gotten the absolute maximum out of Jordan Dangerfield's capabilities on a football field and another one is mike hilton where he saw what would push mike hilton oh Oh, i know you know what i'm talking about but he, 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 and and Hilton okay. after every tackle, looking over at the sideline and yelling out, "Too small, too yeah. small!" And who is he
1: yelling at? My His team. head coach. And, <laughs> he knows that guy, and their relationship is more. All right, little fella, what you gonna do? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> now he might say it, so that's that's probably how he will say it, right? In an yeah. urban type of way, if we're being real, okay? Yeah. Because he's relating to the guy that he know. All right, little fella, what you gonna do? And that's his. mind. So what would you rather say, little fella, what you gonna do? Or hey, little small ass guy, what the what you gonna do today? You this, <laughs> this, this, and this. Yeah. Heck, you see, him, but he know what gets Mike going. Okay. Now, really, this there was an article that just came. I don't know who wrote it, and I want to give him credit. But there was a guy who was in Pittsburgh that came in with me took the top off of all defenses. Number 17, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace left Pittsburgh and went to Miami. Was it Minnesota? And the place that we love and we hate, too, because it's a love-hate relationship, Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Okay? And what did Mike say if you saw the comments? When you're in Pittsburgh and you play under Coach Tomlin and you play with the Steelers, when you leave, you realize there is no other place like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. I'm, you know, paraphrasing what he said, but Mike Wallace, who's gone to three different places after he left Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Western PA, under the same coach that I continue my career under. And Mike said, I want you to know there is no other place I'd rather play at other than Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. So if you want to talk about players coach, well, he played for a coach in Miami. I think he went to Minnesota and then he went to play for another guy that got a Super Bowl two in Harbaugh. Mm hmm. If that doesn't push Mike Tomlin up, yeah, I, don't know I think
0: that's the 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 broader point here is that I I would say is that players' coach isn't a negative. It you know,
1: you know what I had a a, a college coach say to me, this is a level down, and if you're dealing with more kids than you are adults, but I think we'd all like to think that there's a lot of kids in the NFL too. As I've never grown up. But he said, the way I recruit kids these days, I don't care if I got to do the antics of social media. The athlete has changed. The way I got to approach them is different, too. So if that means me doing a TikTok with them, if that means me learning whatever song they like, mm-hmm. and that's me being able to relate to my guy so that they see that I buy in with them, too. So what does that make him a player's culture or a guy to realize, look, I got to take a different approach to reach these kids?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you what you know. I, I'm with something that you said early on, which is that you know what you have uh, in Mike Tomlin, and there's always a risk when you make not that anything like this is in the offing to say the least, but if you ever make a a coaching change, you're you're starting clean. It's
1: there's a the five I, I year reset.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that there's this perception that whoever it is can just come in and magically. Take over and do everything exactly the way it was, oh, yeah. and win playoff games, and that's not what happens. You know, I, I think that perception might exist because of the transition from Coward to Tomlin, mm-hmm. where Tomlin comes in right away and wins a Super Bowl. Uh, but it isn't. It isn't like that. You know, it not just right. isn't.
1: And if you, if if I actually, has there been a drop off in wins? I think Mike T is, if not one, number two as far as overall wins during his tenure, and that's including with Belichick and Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, all the gurus you can name. Heck, there's been more coaches fired in the AFC North. <laughs> than and we can count on at least one man. I know it's, uh, Cleveland's had a few, right?
0: Uh, a couple, a couple, uh, Yeah. Okay. It's funny though that I thought Marvin was going to outlast everybody at one point.
1: I'll nah. <laughs> well, I, I say this. I mean, that's the thing. That's the reason I didn't mention Cincy, but I mean, Mike T outlasted Marvin. But how many starting quarterbacks has Mike T gone through? Uh, that would be one. And, and how many have the other teams gone through? Well, they have to evolve. Yeah. And actually, you know, I
0: mean, Cincinnati and Baltimore have gone through a couple, but not like, you know, not like underwear, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, Andy. Andy Andy Dalton made you know made a bed there in Cincinnati. Uh, between Flacco and Lamar, you've had a couple of guys. It's Cleveland wow. the one that throws it all out of whack. Okay. Cleveland's had twenty in as many years.
1: Riddle me this how Go much ahead. did how much did Andy scare you and or Flacco?
0: Oh, I know who Andy didn't scare. <laughs> okay. Listen, one of the things that you get from being a reporter in a locker room and players telling you stuff is you know who Andy didn't scare. And it was it was the members of the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of them in particular, who shall not be named because I respect these things even after they're gone. Once told me that guy, that guy will never beat us. <laughs> yes. And I said, Why? And he said his response was because we've seen that look in his eyes, and I went, "Wow,
1: wow!" Yeah. Answer me this. Go ahead. How do you even formulate a team that even attack like that? It starts with coaching, man. Yeah. You could you formulate a culture, you you sustain it, and at some point, whether well, y'all want to get rid of him or not? He's gonna crack it with somebody if he's fired or not retained. Mm-hmm. you know that door is his door is going to be knocked down to get in somebody else's locker room
0: oh yeah oh yeah, no question about that ladies and gentlemen this was the Ramon Foster show brought to you by the get-go cafe and market <laughs> where they have substravaganza going on all month uh, either head out to get-go and check out the deals mm-hmm. on cups and wraps or there are even better deals shh, if you check online Ramon thanks we'll do it again next week
1: absolutely DK. okay you uh-huh.